everybody you just stepped inside of psychotic bump school the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul my name is dj rome and i want to welcome you to another jam-packed full exciting edition of psychotic bump school so ladies and gentlemen tonight oh we have an amazingly full show we got about six people coming through the school tonight one of them is here for the very first time so check out this lineup and before i give you the lineup we had some developments over the weekend want to send a shout out to Bob Moses, civil rights icon. Uh, he passed away over the weekend. He was one of the coordinators of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. He passed away over the weekend at the age of 86. We also lost comedian Jackie Mason at the age of 93. So both of these men uh, had long enduring lives and we want to give them their proper flowers. Uh, may they both rest in paradise. So coming up tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have two panels and wow, uh, vaccination nation is really vexed right now because no matter which side of the issue you're on, pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, uh, what are the particulars on each side? Do either side have a point? Do both of them have a point? What goes into the decision of whether or not to get the vaccine or not? Well, we're going to hash some of that out. So have, helping me have that conversation is going to be the incomparable Aaron Wiley Sands. We have Lori Peacock and my good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. We're going to be breaking it down to his final compound, y'all. So you don't want to miss that. And also, I am proud to welcome uh, the, the next panel. Uh, we have John Robinson. Uh, he was here a few weeks ago uh, promoting his new release called King J.R., and I'm really excited to have him back. And uh, John is going to be joining Naru Quina and I. Okay, so Naru Quina, my good brother, he was here for the Shock G tribute, the first tribute we did to Shock G. Naru Quina is an educator and hip hop activist in the Bay Area of California. Okay, so Naru and I are going to be interviewing John as well as his partner, Mr. J. Rawls. That's right, Mr. Jason Rawls, Dr. Jason Rawls. He's known best for his production work with Talib Kweli and Most Def on the Black Star Project. He produced the track on that album called Brown Skin Lady. Uh, he's gone on to have an illustrious career in the world of hip hop, but he's also an academician. I always have trouble saying that word, but he works at the college level in o Ohio State University, at Patton University, I think to be specific. And both he and John are both educators, along with Naru and myself. So Naru and I are going to be talking to John Robinson and Dr. Jason Rawls, Jay Rawls, about the impact of hip hop and the merger of that with education. Exciting stuff, y'all. So you might want to call your friends and family to the radio or the computer because we are about to set it off. So this is KCWGTheTruth.com. My name is DJ Rome. Welcome to Psychotic Bump School. Stay tuned for more. We're going to kick off our show with our first panel after this.
Yeah, this is Jeff Kelly from the Pocho Hour Power on KPFK 90.7 FM, and you're listening to the Psychotic Bump School with your host, DJ Rome, on KCWG, the truth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. Oh, yeah. Pop out, what's up? We making money in quarantine. Dirt in my stick and my wood clean. It's a blue Benjamin's vaccine. Need to bounce back now on taxing. The trap we go tag team. Talk on FaceTime, it's no texting. Holding up. Who gon' press me? Big way, we scrape. She do the white like it's Colgate. She still go and get it in four way. When I'm in my city, I feel safe. I'm bigger than Bill Gates. We chase a billion and get paid. Except for we moving with AK. Dummies, we make plays. Going Jumanji, let's go A. I put Pave in my Cartier. We don't want that throw shade. If she looking like Sunday, we face. I'm quick on my toes, no ballet. Pick up them bowls and valet. We making money in quarantine Dirt in my stick and my wood clean Is it Blue Benjamin's vaccine? Need to bounce back now on taxing The trap we go tag team Talk on FaceTime, it's no texting Holding the file, who gon' press me? Take out, record deposit, can't fit in my wallet Hop in the coop and it's feeling robotic If we talking money, then money the topic I been get money, it's my time to pop it Double cup, fill to the top and it's toxic Got body, no Megan, it's tagging She straight out of college, she looking exotic Bought me your watch and forgot it she give me knowledge while driving One hand on the wheel, one hand on the noggin She throwin' me like I'm a pill I'm drinking my oil, I'm smoking the traffic Send me the Addy and drop it Don't pick up that brr if you ain't gon' pop it Don't do that. I see the boy moving wacky Elegant, bougie, and cocky They thought I was born up in Houston When I bought the Gucci and chain with the rocket And then they thought that I was Cuban Cause I had the links iced out hockey Diamonds bite Mike Tyson Then my thought, that ain't wifey On the block, it get shysty Get that chill out, we working for Nike, pop out. Check. What's, up? What's up? We making money in quarantine. Dirt in my stick and my wood clean. It's a blue Benjamin's vaccine. Need to bounce back now on taxing. The trap we go tag team. Talk on FaceTime, it's no texting. Okay, we are back. KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, we have approached the six month time limit, if there is a time limit of the Biden-Harris administration. You know, they do the first 100 days in office. Well, now we're at the first six months in office. How's he doing? Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris. Lots have happened, has happened, I should say, since the last time we had this illustrious, distinguished panel here together. And I'm very happy to announce that they're back here again. So I'm going to introduce them one by one. You all know who they are. They've been here multiple times, helping us breaking it all down to its final compound, all the way down to downtown. They're here again, y'all. So, ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good sister, Aaron Wiley-Sands, our good sister, Lori Peacock, and the inimitable good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. Aaron, Lori, Jeff, are you back? We back. What's <laughs> going on? I'm glad one of y'all is back. The rest of y'all went to sleep. I told you this was <laughs> well, Monday. Where's the soul? I need the soul, y'all. I didn't want to, if y'all talk at the same time, then nobody could be heard. So well, I was just waiting. That's, the, that's what makes it soulful. I mean, she, she has such great generosity and def, deference to uh, everybody, Mr. Keller. How you doing, Mr. Keller? I heard everybody except for you. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. You know, life is marvelous. So, Jeff, Lori, Aaron, how should we approach the issue of vaccination, given that in California, at least we're all in California, and we had just loosened the restrictions on requiring a mask indoors, and now they've put that restriction back into place. 
And now there's people in red states across the country that are coming up positive for COVID in droves and they are dying so much so that Republican governors such as Kay Ivey, man, did y'all see how she just lit into her constituents and she's just fed up. She's just tired of all the misinformation about the vaccine that she just doesn't know what further she can say. A reporter actually asked her, you know, what more could you do to encourage people to go get vaccinated? She's like, I don't know, you tell me. <laughs> Jeff, she was like George Clinton in Motor Booty Affair. She's like, look, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him do the backstroke. Can't make them do the backstroke. So any of y'all, Lori, Jeff, Aaron, how do we handle this issue with vaccination when people are still coming up positive for this virus? Anyone want to take that one first? I'm going to go because I had, um, you and I had a conversation and I had a little bit of a change since our conversation about this. Okay. So my first conversation, I'm going to be honest, uh, my first thoughts were really kind of cavalier about it. And please explain. Yeah, I'm, I'm, proud of the, I'm not proud of it. But I'm just gonna share. Okay, that's honest, though. I appreciate <laughs> first, that. That's honest. Yeah, it was pretty cavalier. Um, at first, you know, I felt like, well, you know, everybody had the information. It wasn't mm. like it wasn't out there. Everybody had access. It's free. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, the people, you know, who are kind of dying, it's hey, <laughs> that's really how I felt initially because I was like, well, you know. You try to stop us from voting. You try to do this. You you demonize this. You put out misinformation, Fox News, everything. And so now your constituents are dying. They're sick and they're dying because when it looks, when you look at the data, most of the people who are dying are people who were not vaccinated and they're in red states. That's right. So I just kind of had a feeling of like, well, maybe we can finally get some climate change passed. You know, I'm just saying it wasn't a good feeling, but I was mm-hmm. like, hey, let's let's. <laughs> not so fast here. I mean, let's look at the other flip side. What could happen if, you know, this population dies off then the other day. And I felt that I felt that strong for a minute. Okay. And then a friend of mine sent me something. Um, It was this brother who had, um, and maybe saw it, who had, you know, talked about the vaccines and said he wasn't kind of boasted about how he wasn't going to get one. And, and he passed away. And my heart just like, I just felt like, uh, and I was like, oh, I'm not as cavalier as I thought. I don't, you know, mm. it just hurt me that he was dying. And mm-hmm. it, initially when, you know, when you're looking at numbers, you're like, oh, okay, well, whatever they knew. But then when you see a human body attached to whatever, you know, his stance was, whether it was for it or against it, and you see that he died and, and there are probably people who love him, a mother, a father, a wife, maybe sisters, brothers, mm-hmm. children, and it just, it became very real for me. And then I was like, wow, mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to die, whether they are Republican or Democrat or whatever. I don't want anyone to die unnecessarily. Um, that said, the other thing is I have family members who aren't going to take it. They're just not going to take it. They are in the um, Jesus is going to cover me kind of group. Now I'm a Christian, but I think Jesus has enabled me with wisdom. So I, I got the vaccine. We are they in California too, like you are? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. California people and some people in Nevada. And I mean, you know, it just it just varies. And so I they understand they've gotten the information that I've gotten. They made a choice for their life. I pray that they don't get sick and die. But I'm not for forcing people who have had the information to take something that they do not want to take or put in their body. I, I, I really am not. I think that that the dice is about to be rolled. 
Those of us who've taken it have taken it. Those of us who haven't, and we're about to see how this thing's going to play out. The change is I'm not as cavalier about people dying, no matter what side of the aisle you fall on. There, I don't want to see anyone hurt or dead. That said, we all got the same information. We all have made a decision, and it's about to go down. Well, because these cause... variants are and we're about to see who was right. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Even with this vaccine, we don't know. We hope. I pray that the that all the investigation was done and that 10 years from now, we won't have a problem because we've put this thing in our bodies. I don't think we will. But we're all taking a chance. We're all trusting. We're all moving forward based on what we research and, and the best decision for our lives. That's fair. And I understand the, the human component that you're speaking about, because I remember, um, you know, talking with you offline and I, I get it. Um, since I last had that interaction with you, uh, I have a family member that contracted who is also skeptical about getting the vaccine. Uh, this family member now lives in another country and came up positive for the virus. And it was very, very difficult to get through. It didn't just come and go like so it hits everyone differently. So it everything changes. You can be as uh, anti-vax or not for this vaccine. Some are just against this vaccine. They're not against vaccines in general, but they're against this vaccine because they feel like there's just not enough information out there about it. But what they're not understanding is that under emergency authorization use, uh, it's been determined that the benefits would outweigh, given the, the severity of what COVID had done in terms of the devastating losses, the, the risks uh, were outweighed by the potential gain, given how dire of a circumstance we were in. But I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. I hear that argument, but then I wonder this, these people who are saying there's not enough information, and I get it, but how much information did we really have on the vaccines when we took our newborn in to get, you know, <laughs> how many shots did they put in their body? Uh, how researched were you on those vaccines? Wait, you I think said that you weren't that research. Exactly. I think that you just decided to be a doctor. I yeah. mean, you know what I mean? And I get it. I get it. This is new, whatever, but let's not pretend that we haven't all, we don't all have like three or four vaccines floating through our bloodstream right now. <laughs> so this whole, we don't get vaccines, what you talking about when children haven't even built up their immune system enough, we take them to a doctor and they get several vaccines put in them. And we don't right. ask questions. Oh, I, I, I don't know. Can I get more paperwork on that smallpox? No, um, we just hand. So I don't know. I mean, I the you. hypocrisy much for me uh, all right let, let, let's, go let's, let's, go let's go there that's why I, let's this, go there this, if we're gonna go first of all yes there is a lot of information out there you don't know why somebody's not going to get the vaccine i haven't got the vaccine and i'll tell you why i haven't got the vaccine oh, okay i was gonna ask because i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna i'm waiting to see how it all plays out i'm not one of the first ones to get on there i have a heart murmur Right, it's already been shown that Pfizer and those they create they create um, you know, myocarditis and you know um, and other inflammations in the heart. So I'm not taking that chance of taking putting some in my body. I haven't put anything in my body in 25 to 30 years. No medicine at all, zero, mm -hmm. no shots. Mm -hmm. What people are missing is even though if you do get the shot, you still need to have a mask on when you go out. You mm. still should be six feet apart from people because you can still spread it and you can still catch it. So it's not like the benefits is, for me, mm -hmm. what you really need to do is strengthen your immune system. 
Okay. You don't see professional athletes dying. You don't see college athletes dying. You don't see people that are very in, in great shape dying. If there's outliers, but in most part, they are healthy. And they, I had COVID, right? Mm-hmm. I had the cough and that's it. But for me, because of my heart murmur and some of the side effects of these medicines, I'm not doing it until I see how it all plays out. Pfizer just came out and said, after six months, you may need another shot because antibodies decrease. Mm-hmm. So what gets but so mad, what? So what if you need another shot? What what is what is well, the problem? I'm just saying, no, no. That? My point is, my point is that 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 everybody should still wear a mask, whether you you have the shot or not, because you can still catch it and you can still spread it. Right. It's not a it's not the shot's not the be all kill all. You still should wear a mask and you still should be six feet apart. When you say you're waiting to what other information would you need? You want to see if somebody who may emerge in the news cycle that has a heart murmur and they may have experienced some uh, really difficult experiences with the shot and then you'll decide. I mean, I'm trying. I've had friends. I've had personal friends who have got the second shot and the next day was in the hospital for five days. Did and this is the condition? cold part about it. Yeah. This is this. Let me tell you the cold part about it is. Okay. So when they ask the doctor, they're there for five days after the shot, they're like, was well, it from the shot? And they go, no, it's, it's, we don't know what it's from. Mm-hmm. That's scary. See what I'm saying? That's scary to me because scary. now how many other people have got the shot, but they're not reporting that it's from the shot. And how are they doing today? She's doing, she's, Nan's doing okay now. And her friend that also had the same thing shot was in, he's doing okay right now. But okay. just, that's why I said, I'm going to wait and see. Because they can't be just the only two people that has happened to. Oh, for sure. Lori Peacock, your thoughts? Well, I I just feel like what, what's the worst that could happen with getting the vaccine? You die, right? It what you you I mean, worst thing that can happen to anybody. I mean, I guess maybe turning into a, a brain-eating zombie might be worse, but other than wow. that, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna die, right? That's 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 the worst thing. And and I feel like the risk of getting COVID and dying from COVID seems pretty darn great to me. So I would rather take the risk of having the vaccine and hoping that's going to protect me against this deadly virus, this deadly disease, um, versus you know what could possibly happen from having this vaccine that has been tested significantly, significantly under scrutiny before they were going to put this out into people in mass, you know, in mass and expect people to just accept it. And I feel like the misinformation is why there are so many people that want to wait and see and want to, you know, aren't really trusting that it's gonna work for them or help them out. Um, and, and that came from the prior administration. And so it was very divisive. It became a political issue rather than a health and scientific issue. And uh, Aaron's absolutely right. Like, you know, I'm not anti-vax. I vaccinated my kids. They didn't get measles, they didn't get smallpox. They didn't even get chickenpox which I got as a kid, right? Everybody got chicken pox growing up. They have a vaccine for that now. So you don't even have to get chicken pox. Um, it, it, it's just, why wouldn't you do these things that are going to help you and help other people around you and from di- keep you from dying from, from these diseases? And you know, I'd rather take the risks of possibly having some side effects or having some issues with the vaccine versus having COVID and dying. And what's breaking my heart is hearing about all of these cases of people who didn't get the vaccine, who get COVID, who end up in the hospital and then are begging for it and they die mm. and, and they wish that they had had the vaccine. So I, I, 
is it the be all end all? I don't know. Are we going to see repercussions of this? I don't know, but I'm at least going to do the best that I can to try to not get COVID and die from that. Wow. Yeah, it's a, quite an issue. I don't know if y'all happen to see this uh, exchange that happened a few days ago. Uh, stand by for a second. I'm going to jump in in the middle of this and uh, y'all give me your thoughts on the other side of this. That you guys wrote, it says that scientific research that increases the transmissibility among mammals is gain of function. They took animal viruses that only occur in animals and they increase their transmissibility to humans. How you can say that is not gain of function. It is not. It's a dance and you're dancing around this because you're trying to obscure responsibility for 4 million people dying around the world okay. from a pandemic. And let's let Dr. Fauci. I have to, well, now you're getting into something. If the point that you are making is that the, the, the grant that was funded as a sub-award from EcoHealth to Wuhan created SARS-CoV-2. That's where you are getting. Let me finish. We don't know. Well, we don't wait know a minute. It didn't I come from the lab, but you, all the evidence is pointing that it came from the lab. You, and there will be responsibility for those okay. who funded the right. lab, including yourself. I totally This committee resent, will allow the witness to respond. I totally resent the lie that you are now propagating, Senator, because if you look at the viruses, that were used in the experiments that were given in the annual reports that were published in the literature, it is molecularly impossible. No one's saying those it, viruses it is, caused it. It no is, one is molecularly. Those viruses caused the pandemic. What we're alleging is that gain of function research was going on in that lab and NIH funded it. That is you can't not. Get away from it. It meets your definition and you are obfuscating the truth. I'm not obfuscating the truth. Senator you Paul's are the one. Time is expired, but I will allow the witness to. Let me just finish. I want everyone to understand that if you look at those viruses, and that's judged by qualified virologists and evolutionary biologists. Those viruses are molecularly impossible no one's to result. They are. Okay, so it wages on and on. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was most recently the voice of uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, uh, who came to prominence during the height of coronavirus. Um, challenging him was Senator Rand Paul out of Kentucky. Uh, what they're talking about is gain of function. Gain of function refers to the medical research that alters an organism or disease in a way that increases its pathogenesis, whatever that is. So I just point that out, uh, Aaron, Jeff, and Lori, to really sort of contextualize further what we're talking about. There's a heated battle. I don't know if anyone wants to respond to that exchange right there. But it, it sort of highlights how people have become pitted against one another, one another, uh, for very, various reasons. Uh, Jeff, I think you told me before that you weren't vaccinated, but I don't know why I feel surprised. No. Uh, what are your thoughts on what you just uh, heard or saw? Well, when you see government going against each other like that, I mean that's that's why people don't trust governments. Mm -hmm. And like I said earlier, they they need to do a better job messaging. They've always every time they put a message out about COVID or something about side effects or what it does, it's always changing. But is, that's they, what they, science they, they, is, though. I mean, I, I think Dr. Fauci's point. No, no, I get that. Okay. No, no, I get that. That's why I'm telling you waiting, because it always changes. True. True. You see what I'm saying? I do. So, why, so I'm waiting to see how it all washes out at the end. But, okay. but still, I'll wear a mask. I'll stay six feet apart. I keep my, I'll keep my body healthy. Uh, you, know, you know how I eat. You know how I train. Um, because at the end of the day, when they do their research, 
most of people dying have underlying conditions or are out of shape. Man, no, I don't know how you train. I see how you train. You be putting up them Peloton <laughs> videos with sweat all over your face like you about to pass out. This is KCWG, the Truth.com's program. called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rohn. That was our good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. We're also joined by Lori Peacock, as well as Aaron Wiley-Sands. We're talking about the first six months in office for the Biden-Harris administration. We gave a general impression of how they're doing so far, and now we've been talking about the vaccine situation. Aaron Wiley-Sands, I'm curious to get your thoughts. What are your thoughts? I think um, with what you just played with Rand Paul and Fauci is that it goes beyond just that particular conversation. We have a problem, and the Republicans did this, with truth mm. and facts. Come on. You know what I mean? They think that there's a such thing as alternate truths, and now you have Rand Paul challenging a scientist. Right. He has no degree in anything. <laughs> right. He, and, but he, he didn't want to listen. He kept over-talking Fauci, didn't want let him explain that there was no way that what they gave could ever transmute into the virus that we now have. I mean, science matters. Facts matters. Yes. Numbers matter. Yes. And the fact that they love to float innuendo and hyperbole and to gaslight each situation. But at the end of the day, people are dying because you've chosen to politicize something for an agenda. And what right. is the agenda to keep constituents ignorant so they'll keep falling for it? But now you see that they're dying. They're getting yes. sick and they're dying. Yes. What I've read about the Delta variant is that it is far more contagious, but I think it is less deadly, which is good. It, you know, you don't want people, more people to die from it, but that they're more, it's easier to catch. Mm-hmm. So, um, like I said before, I, I, resp- I have family members and, and two good friends who are Republican, who are not going to take the vaccine. I have family members who, who are not going to take it and they're not taking it for health reasons like Jeffrey. And so it just is, and I understand it and I respect it. I can't sit here and say that there's not a part of me that hopes and wonders and prays that we haven't put, those of us who have gotten vaccinated, haven't put something in our body that 10 years from now, because you know it's always that 10 years where they'll say, studies show, and you know that it's something different. Come on now. I I made the decision that I think is best for my life. Jeff has made mm-hmm. the decision that he thinks his life. And I respect that decision. I don't think that we should begin like even now, because I'm an actress and I, Lori, Lori, have you found this where they're saying now you, I mean, certain sets you can't get on unless you're vaccinated. Yep. And so, yep. you know, it's about to come real, real for a lot of people and they're going to do it. And I get that too, because I'd rather be on a set where everyone's vaccinated too and vaccinated. And there's a lot of, misinformation about that vaccination does not mean you can't catch it i can absolutely catch it it just means that i'm not going to die from it more you know i'm very highly less likely to die from it it'll affect my body at a six percent rate it'll affect somebody else's body at a 94 percent rate then that goes back to the other thing was saying it also depends on your health there are people who are gonna get it and you never know they had it yeah and then there are people who are going to the hospital on a breathing machine so we just don't know. And I just really think that there are no winners. I appreciate that. But I do not like what the Republican Party is doing, putting out misinformation. Okay. Put out correct trust adults to make the best decision for their lives. And let's see, you know, after that, we don't have control. We got to see where it goes. Okay. That's, I think, uh, Lori, I want to I bring you in on this because I think, Jeff, that's where we can kind of draw the line. I mean, I get the medical uh, exception um, angle from it, and I don't blame you. 
Uh, to your point, Aaron Wiley Sands, before I turn to Lori, uh, Phil Valentine is a famous conservative uh, talk radio host who was vehemently mocking the, the vaccine. He, he was telling people that they shouldn't get it. And he is fighting for his life right now. He caught it and he was still doing his show for a few days in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, but then it got pretty bad. Uh, his family, just as of uh, this uh, interview right here, which is Sunday, uh, by the time you hear this on Monday, maybe he'll be doing better. I don't know. But they say he's still not doing well. He's not getting well. And he says he's at a breaking point. Now, I don't know what that means, but all it tells me is that this man is not feeling well at all. And he thinks he's going to die. And this is somebody who, like Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, I mean, they're trying to do this redux on uh, Fox News right now, but they actively told people not to trust Fauci and the science, which I think is a very different argument uh, from somebody just, you know, just being cautious for medical reasons. I have an issue, like Aaron said, Lori, with the misinformation. Lori Peacock, what are your thoughts on that? Right. And I think that's where we're coming from. It, the, from beginning, from the beginning of this pandemic with the Trump administration, it was lie after lie after lie. It was it was misinformation. And then when Fauci would try to give out information the best he could, it would always be disputed or belittled. And so now, you know, you've got a very big divide. You have people that think that getting the vaccine is going to be horrible, horrible for them. They think that they don't think COVID is even real. Some people, they think the numbers are inflated. They think it's all BS. And it's all because of the misinformation and the lies that came out of the previous administration's office. And now it's still trickling out through all of these these various conservative people who have platforms to go out and spew their stuff. And, and that's why people are confused. And that's why people are, are saying, no way, heck no, I'm not going to do this because of all of that. Generally, if you're in shape, your outcomes may be different, right, Jeff? However, I think we all saw that there have been some Olympic athletes that had to withdraw from uh, the Tokyo Olympics because they came up positive for coronavirus. Have y'all been seeing that? Like 150 of yes. them. That, I don't know if <laughs> that sure, many. But, yeah. But they're not sure if they got it because they got the shot, because the shot shows symptoms of, of the virus. So they're not so, sure. That's why a lot of the athletes didn't take the shots uh, to go because they were afraid of that. So they're okay. So there's even the question of how many of them were vaccinated versus how many weren't. Because I right, wasn't even aware that. Were vaccinated, they were vaccinated and they tested positive. Okay, interesting. But they, well, they weren't sure if it was from the vaccine. But um, you can test positive and be vaccinated. But true. I mean, you know, the thing does not mean that you won't <laughs> get COVID. It just means you won't die. You won't die. Hopefully, so yeah, they call know. those. That's what people don't understand. Mm. Yeah, and this is what I really want to make clear, uh, Trump. Mm. I mean, uh, uh, this is what I really want to make like make clear, Rome. And if this wait, is one were you confusing Donald we, Trump with me? Did you just confuse uh, Donald Trump with me? Lori and Aaron, did you hear that? <laughs> I did, yes. I can't let you, I love you, brother, but I can't let you get away from that. Got it. But there's one thing I think is being missed on this, and I wish people would wake up. Get in shape. Get off, mm. right? Get, get off the diabetes medicine. Get yes. off the high cholesterol medicine. Eat better. Those, those are things that are killing us. Mm. Get in better shape. Stop eating those foods that they market to you. Eat healthier. Mm -hmm. Cook healthier. That's easier said than done, though, Jeffrey. That no, no, really but, is. But if you're going to be passionate, wait, hold up. If you're going to be passionate about this, 
that be passionate about your health. I hear you on that, but think about it. Okay. It is easier and cheaper to eat unhealthy than it is to eat healthy. It to, because I, I know I've done both and it, so for a low income family, plus all the marketing, you, you sit down and you watch a TV in the evening, you're going to see commercial after commercial after commercial about bad food, bad, unhealthy food where the calories are over 500,000, 500 to 1,000 per meal that you're seeing on TV. So you're getting these images, you're getting all of this information and it's cheaper, it's faster, it's easier, it tastes good. So of course people are going to do that now and exercising and taking care of yourself. It is not so easy to do for everybody. And I hear you, I hear you, but I also understand the flip side of why people are unhealthy, why people aren't doing, aren't, aren't as fit as you are. Oh, Jeffrey. Is yeah, but it's not about me. It's about life saving. It's about life saving. You can have a salad instead of fries, right? Mm. You can, I can get some fish at the, at the market, wild fish for $9 and cut it up and get a half pound of white fish for $9 and cut it up and eat that for three days. I can get salmon, wild salmon for $20 and eat that for three, four days. I can eat for a week on $100 with healthy food. So no, you, we can do it. You just gotta know how to do it. We just used to eat what our grandparents ate and our parents ate. Right. So we eat that. Right. But you have to change that. My parents, my parents had high cholesterol, diabetes, but that is, and had all those things. Issue. I don't eat like them. I, mean, I changed my eating habits. It's laced in with this issue, but that is a bigger issue. I mean, people have done documentaries about it, about how our, what we've been taught, uh, the food deserts in our community. I, I agree with you. We all need to do better and eat healthier. But that that's a journey. That's a journey of will. That's a journey of knowledge. And it's not going to save people in the moment where a vaccine could possibly do it in the moment. That is something you have okay. to make a decision to do over time. Mm. And a lot of people aren't willing or ready to make that decision because we see it <laughs> played out. I mean, we're the most obese, I think, nation in the world and, and probably one of the most unhealthy. So th that that was before COVID. And, and okay. that's going to be what has tried. I mean, you know, try to get people to change the way they eat. You're going to get a fight immediately uh, you know that's uh, why we take a pill, right that's why we are all medicated because we would rather take that pill so i can eat them and, french and fries but there's a whole but you're acting like they're not things set up to make it so that's like saying to, to black people why don't you just get it why don't you get over it women who you know don't like their skin because they're dark just get over it you just decide you're beautiful there's a whole i did not think but that's not what i said no but you're that's not what i said minimizing it it's not that. No, easy. I'm not. Right. No, I'm not. I'm and not you, at all. I'm not at all. I'm not at all. All I'm saying is my, this. In my opinion, you're absolutely minimizing it because it's not something that can be done overnight. Right. I'm not, I'm not right. minimizing. What I'm saying is, let's learn from it. Is what I said. If you remember my opening statement, was, let's learn from that. Let's not let this opportunity go. Let's let's talk about eating healthy and doing those things. For the future. I'm not saying I'm not live on with a hundred dollars. There are a lot of people who don't have that or who don't have access to that. That's why they be began creating something called community gardens. I mean, th there are extenuating circumstances. These things don't happen in a vacuum. 
And you, and like you said, Jeffrey, we learned from what our parents did, from what their parents did. It is very hard to break a cycle of anything that comes down the pike from, from generation to generation. So if you aren't taught healthy habits, it's very hard to teach your kids healthy habits. And I'm guilty of that. Like anybody else, I was raised on crummy food and I would feed my kids crummy food and I'm having to try to learn and change and do, but it is not easy and it is much more expensive. So Jeff, go ahead. Uh, yeah, it's not I'm gonna my give it one more thing. Jeff, one more point, and then uh, I'm gonna close this one out. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying it's not much more expensive. And that's and that's the lie. It really isn't. There's farmer markets is that where you can get stuff very cheap, a lot cheaper than the stores. Um, so there are ways of doing it. There, and like I said, there are community gardens. I was in LA with, with a with a congressman and they, they opened up some some community um, gardens um, that some co-ops in that. So we are changing. It is, it is getting the message out there. And that's all I'm saying. Let's get the message out so we can start that change. Let's not say it's okay to continue doing that. If, if somebody is, if you would not say if somebody was an abuser because his parents were abusers, you'd say, no, you need to change that, that behavior. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's say, Hey, let's change this. Let's, let's right. Yes. Here. But let's I'm just saying it's, it's very hard to make that change. Right. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It's, easy. it's not easy to do. Right. Right. Very interesting discussion, y'all. Um, it, it just goes to show, ladies and gentlemen, there are uh, lots of valid points on both sides of this. Uh, I think we're about to lose Aaron Wiley Sands, so I wanted to pivot to one more thing before I land the plane on this discussion. I wanted to talk about voting rights because that's another sticking point. And I think we can do this really quick before you go, Aaron Wiley Sands. Uh, stand by. This is a um, Congressional Black Caucus member. If I can bring this up, her name is Symphronia Thompson. I wonder if y'all saw this the other day. She's talking about voting rights and how just sheerly, if that's a word, she's just fed up. Uh, Lori, Aaron, Jeff, stand by. Check this out. And all of the things that we had to endure. Have we done enough? Right. Have we paid the price enough? Yeah. What is it going to take for us to be able to be Americans in this country? I am an American and I'm going to vote without somebody infringing upon my rights and the rights of my constituents. And I'll stay to fight here today for it. I'll stay to fight for it. I said, I can't fight no more. rights and respects and the same considerations that everybody has and I'm going to fight until we get it I'm not going to be a hostage if they want to arrest me bring it on she's like look come on with it so the idea here wow. um I felt that Aaron Jeff and Lori I felt that because it's exhausting to keep fighting for the basics after all this time and uh, real quick, because I know we don't have a lot of time left. Joe Biden's approval rating has recently dropped, y'all. Did y'all know that? Just a few days I ago, yeah. a couple of weeks I ago, it was at 56 or 58 percent. It's dropped down to 50, his lowest in office. And why do you think why? that is? I believe it's because of the voting rights. He will not tackle that filibuster issue, one. And they're pushing this infrastructure bill as a priority up and a up and beyond the voting rights and civil rights activists such as Sinfronia Thompson, who we just heard from, and 
Georgia, uh, the, the, the new Georgia project and people like that, Latasha Brown and all them, they've been got Warnock and Ossoff in office. They're saying, what more do you want us to do? I mean, Joe Biden went to Philly or Georgia a few days ago and said, you guys got to keep fighting. It's like, what more do you want us to do, bruh? We got you in office to get this done. It's like, we need this John Wright's uh, voting bill passed now because all these voter suppression bills that are coming across the country, people are seeing that he's not down to, to change that filibuster. I know we've talked about it on here before. We probably don't have a lot of time to go into it fully, but I believe that's why his approval rating is starting to suffer. Real quick, can I get y'all's take on the voting rights issues? Let's go first to Aaron Wiley Sands, <laughs> then uh, Lori Peacock and Jeffrey Keller. First, can you send me that tape of Thompson? I sure will. I, I, yeah, please, because that, sure wow. That's, yeah, yeah, I felt that. I'm serious. I felt it. The voting rights is the most, I, I do think infrastructure is important because of climate change. And <laughs> and we could all, I mean, you know, you saw what happened to that building in yes. Florida. I don't know. Florida, yes. But they, some of people say it was climate change related. So I do think infrastructure is highly important because we can't vote if you're dead. Um, right. Said I, the I, I I just cannot believe I I noticed what when the listening to her reminds me of my mom. My mom, mm -hmm. of course, is a baby boomer, mm -hmm. and she's tired. She's like I've thought about this already, and nothing is changing. Yes. So she's very she's more cynical than I've ever seen her in my life. Cause she was kind of the mother who's like, yeah, we're going to overcome. And now mm -hmm. she's like, you know, these white, people, I mean, she's kind of that person now. And right. because she's tired, she's tired mm -hmm. of fighting for the same she's tired of what uh, Thompson said. We are Americans. Yes. What, but they can only win if they cheat and they know that the landscape of America is changing right now. Black people used to be at 12 or at 13 percent. It's not a lot, but it's still in the mm -hmm. census. We make up 13 percent of this nation. Um, the Hispanic population is growing. So they have to do something and yeah. they know that, um, if they don't cheat that they cannot win. And so power and money matters more than I really think what they said that this country was supposed to be about. It's not a democracy, it's a republic, but we still have a democratic process. And they abandoned that. What, when I looked at the law, especially the Georgia one, what was really insidious was that they wanted to take away the power from the state secretary so yep. that they would have the ability to throw out any district yep. that they want. Yep. That to me, is enough to to me you should just be rioting in the streets like that just is exactly so crazy to say that i'm i'm just going to decide and they did this because of trump because remember trump tried yes. to make him and he wouldn't cheat and so they said oh so we need to in case it goes down we need to remove your power so that we can throw out any oh. district that we, we don't like and what district do we all think that's going to be it's going to hmm. be the district of urban people or people of color i'm scratching or my head i don't i don't know what they, but see that's the thing that's the thing see before i go to Lori and jeff that's the thing right there at the end it's not just black people I, right I, and, and I could be wrong. Maybe I don't understand government, but I don't think Biden can him in himself throw out the filibuster. He doesn't he have the power to just. So we can't be mad at him on something he cannot do. But here's the thing. You Aaron. know, is holding that up. Yeah. But if he's going to make a speech, Lori and Jeff, about the his agenda and he doesn't even mention 
the the filibuster. He doesn't even mention it as a real barrier. I mean, you know, Mansion and Cinema are not going to move, and unless he calls them up to the hill to pull them aside and take them behind the gym, <laughs> they're not huh? going to move. They're not going to move because they're trying to keep their jobs. They're both in 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 states that okay. want them to do exactly what they're doing, but or they, they will they... be doing something. True. They have Jeff. You said that's his job, right? You said he campaigned on that, so now he has to stand and deliver on that. He's got to get them to move, right? Yep, sure does. Sure does. But how? Mm. How? How does he do that? I, I, I think, really, I'm asking earnestly. He, I'd love to he, know your plan. Said, asking for a friend. He, <laughs> he he said he had relationships with all these guys. He said he was the guy that can do it to bring both parties together. He, that's what he ran on. So, that's true. He did say that. Yes, he did. So I mean, he he's he's got to figure that that one out. He's got to send mean, some extra money to the state. He's got to he's got to give them something. He's they're not gonna. I agree, Aaron, and, and Jeff and Laura. You could chime in too. He he's got to give them something. I think there was something called the Corn Husker Kickback when they were trying to pass the uh, the Affordable Care Act. And uh, these senators want something, and I hate it. I mean, okay, so if we don't do that, Lori, Aaron, and Jeff, we're gonna have to wait for 2022. We're gonna have to pass DC statehood so that we can get those two extra senators who will likely be Democrat. And then we gotta flip more seats in the Senate so that we nullify the power that Cinema and Mansion have. Now that's rolling the dice. There's no guarantees on that, but if Biden won't do uh, what Jeff is talking about, Lori, our options are very slim and none. Lori, what do you think? I think that we need, something needs to be done. I think that Biden has the ability to, to do it. I think we're talking six months in. So I think, you know, we've still got some time here, but yeah, okay. I mean, absolutely. I just feel like we wanted to fix all of the problems that we've, that we have like instantly. And yeah. I don't know, with the damage that Trump did in four years, I don't know that, you know, that that can happen in, in four years or eight years for Biden. Right. Um, you know, I, but I, I feel like he's chipping away. He's chipping away. And okay. that's all, you know, that's all that can be done at this point. Hey. And as far as, you know, as far as the voter suppression and everything, it's it's terrible. It's disgusting. I look at these senators and I just I'm just appalled. I'm, I'm appalled mm -hmm. at the, the laws that are being passed. I'm appalled at the things that are that are happening right now. And. You know, next time we got to talk about all the violence and all the gun violence and all the crime and everything that's happening oh, because, will. you know, murders are up 15 percent mm. um, from last year. And, you know, the uh, gun violence is an issue. It's, 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 it's another political topic that I'd love to discuss at some point. Right. So absolutely. Absolutely. All right, y'all. Well, this was a rather robust conversation. Um, I'm going to stick a pin in it right there. There's still a whole lot more to say about that. But I can't thank y'all enough for being here. This was a very uh, passionate discussion. This is uh, Aaron Wiley Sands. We have Lori Peacock and here. good brother Jeffrey Keller. Aaron Sands? I said I'm still here and thank you for having me. You're very welcome. You stayed. I thought she was going to have to dip yeah, out on us, y'all. She stayed. She's here. <laughs> Appreciate you, Aaron. This is KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bum School. I'm DJ Rome. That was Aaron Wiley Sands, Lori Peacock, and Jeffrey Keller, y'all. Stay tuned for more. We'll be right back after this. Peace. This is John Robinson, and you're listening to DJ Rome on Psychotic Bum School, the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of here I am, here I am, here I am, here I am, here I am now more than 25 years. 
passed my first inquiries on culturally relevant pedagogy. Culturally relevant, relevant pe- pedagogy. And I find that that, that that notion, at least my understanding and practice of it, evolving in some new and exciting ways. Hip-hop. Hip-hop. And being an important cultural vehicle for connecting with what I've called new century students. If you're going to be what I would call a dream keeper today, yes. you have to pay attention to the power and significance of youth culture, of youth culture, of youth culture, or risk losing a generation of students, of students, of students, of students, or risk losing a generation of students, or risk losing a generation of students. Or risk losing a generation of students. Okay, y'all, we are back. KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, we have an amazing panel here right now. And uh, two of these cats have been here before. One is here for the very first time. I uh, met them a long time ago, so I'm excited to bring y'all this discussion about hip-hop and education. First of all, I want to bring back this good brother. Y'all remember this brother. He was here a few weeks ago. Maybe it's been a couple months ago now when we lost our beautiful good brother, Shock G. Uh, this good brother is an educator and activist in the Bay Area of California. So, ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome back <laughs> to Psychotic Bump School, the good brother, Mr. Naru Quina. Mr. Quina, are you there? What's going on? Yeah, I'm here, man, out here in Oakland, man. And yes, delighted sir. to be here today, brother. Hey, man, thank you for being here. Also want to welcome back. This good brother was here just really just literally a few weeks ago. He's got a new project out called King JR available right now on Bandcamp. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School. Our good brother, Mr. John Robinson. Mr. Robinson, are you there? Yes. One, two. Peace to the world. Peace to you. (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for being back here, John. And last but not least, this good brother and I, he hooked up with my crew way back Oh man, uh, must have been 05, early 2000s. This good brother is a legendary producer. He's worked with the likes of Most Def, uh, Talib Kweli, The Black Star Project. And uh, he's done some amazing EPs and independent releases and solo artist releases throughout the years. He's a legendary, phenomenal uh, beat maker, but he is also highly invested into this world of education and music. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for the very first time to Psychotic Bump School, our good brother, Dr. Jason Rawls, Mr. J. Rawls. Mr. Rawls, are you there? Yo, yo, what's going on? How's everybody feeling? Oh, we cool and the gang, good brother. I hope that doesn't <laughs> age me too much. Everybody old enough to remember some cool in the gang, right? Yes, I mean, Come on, come on. Indeed, and in indeed. fact, John, I, don't, I know Jason, you're originally from Ohio, right? Yes, I am from Columbus, Ohio. There you go. And John, you are too? No, I'm originally from the Bronx, New York. That's right. That's what it is. And can't you hear it in his voice, man? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come on. Man, he, he's got that jazz. Doesn't he have that jazzy drawl, though? It's like Mr. Robinson. No, it's funny. A- I saw a meme the other day. It's like New Yorkers don't have accents. Everyone else does. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like that's what Ryan Coogler said, Naru, when they were talking to him when Black Panther came out. And he was like, yo, that's just my Oakland accent. And You're people right, from man. California, we don't think we have an accent either. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> wow. Our hey, dare giveaway is anytime we say hella, they know. Ah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> Wow. Well, I really appreciate you cats coming aboard here. Uh, you know what? There's There's been this interesting fusion of music and hip hop. And I don't think up until uh, recently, I'm really starting to see it at the higher levels of academia. So I want to talk to uh, Mr. J. Rawls first. Good brother. 
can you talk to us a little bit how John and you came together? Since I had John here a little while ago, how in the world did John and you come together, not only musically, but in this world of education? Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So I, um, I met I met John really through the music with uh, Talib Kweli in New York City at uh, Fat Beats. Kweli told me, hey, you need to get this album. Uh, and, and I picked up the uh, Science of Life record and, and I was a fan of the music. So uh, we met later, you know, in the physical and, and we just we had a lot in common musically. So, you know, we, we did a few verses, songs, you know, some little things together. And then one day we were just really building like, yo, we should do an album together. And we, we ended up coming up with um, an ode to jazz called the 1960s Jazz Revolution again. Yes, sir. And that that right there really was our uh, introduction as a crew. And since both of our initials were J.R., we just called ourselves J.R., J-A-Y-A-R-E. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, um, you know, and then, um, you know, fast forward, we're, we're, we're both in education, but we're not really talking about it as much, you know. Um, but we were on tour and we were in the hotel in L.A. just building and talking about life and everything. And we start discussing our students. And so we realized that our students, John has students in Brooklyn, New York, and I have students in Columbus, Ohio, but they're all, they all do similar things culturally. Uh, culturally, they, they do similar things. And we're wondering why, how does that happen? What, where does that come mm -hmm. from? So mm -hmm. um, I think it, you know, our, our journey on uh, creating YCP and all these things about cultural pedagogy is, is just, um, it came out of those questions, like our students, that kind of thing. Oh, wow. How about that? John, what do you recall about that? How accurate is that what uh, Mr. Rawls just said? It's right on point. And I would say to add to that and really further it, at the time, Rawls was writing his dissertation and he was passing along all these different articles and this research and, you know, from dynamic scholars in the field. So me being in New York City at the time, I was under a co-teaching model with classroom teachers and really helping them better connect, engage, and get these academic subjects to be more palatable for the students in front of them, um, mostly by using pop culture references and things that young people connect and relate to. But a lot of the intel Rawls was sharing with me empowered my situation in real time. I felt the difference. I felt more empowered but even more, I started to realize, wow, when I'm in the teacher's lounge and I'm around all these other educators, no one else is reading or researching or watching anything to empower their practice and get better. Mm, all they wow. do is complain about, you know, the students. And mm. that kind of set my mind in the tone of, no, 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 we're the adults. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have to fix this if it doesn't go well. And then, you know, just all these correlations with my hip hop life and mm -hmm. performance life started to shine in the classroom space. How about that? See, we, you and I didn't get into that very much the last time you were here, John. So can I level set this for the audience a little bit? I work at a high school. John, what level are you at? Middle school. Look at that. And Mr. Rawls, obviously, you're uh, at the higher ends, echelons of a- uh, I am college. now, but I did I did um, uh, 17 years K-12. I've taught fourth grade up to 12th, so- Man, I had no uh, idea. Yeah, wow. so I, I did that, and now I'm in, I'm in higher ed. But yeah, so I'm with you guys. Absolutely. Mr. Quinault, and what level are you at? 
Well, I, I, I was in kindergarten, first grade, and then I ran after school programs as well. So wow. I've been an educator for over 30 years. I, 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 was, I started when I was in my 20s. So mm -hmm. um, I was going to just ask these brothers, man, how do y'all balance the music and being in the classroom? Like, those are really like two full-time careers. Tell so, me about uh, it. How do you guys do that? Uh, either one of you can go first. The great question. Um, I'll set it off and say, I'm no longer in the classroom currently. The last year and a half has flipped that on its head, you know, created yeah. a couple companies with colleagues, uh, Youth Culture Power with Jay Rawls and myself being one of them. And it allowed me to really envision the work in an entirely different angle and more from a remote space and in person, but not necessarily in classrooms. Working with Jay Rawls, we've been working with a lot of teachers and administrators behind the scenes so that they can take a lot of these findings and experience and intel into their schools and classrooms to activate. You know, so mm -hmm. that's been a powerful experience. But to answer your question directly, at the time that I was in the classroom and still an artist, I I didn't separate the two that much, you know? I felt like, like what I was just saying, I felt like my artists and hip hop life validated me being in the space because I was there for disruptive purposes in a good way, you know, like literally. And the whole point was- um, What do you, you mean know, by that, disruptive purposes? Like I started out on a high school level middle school ended up being the sweet spot of just where I learned the most. Mm. But I started in the high school level and the disruption was there were a lot of super seniors in New York City who were stuck in high school because of mm. standardized exams, the regents. Yes. Wow. Math, ELA, uh, mostly math, science and ELA was just, you know, locking these kids in. They couldn't get out of high school. So I entered in with the perspective of how do I relate things that they need to know for this exam to their lives and their realities, their culture and their mindset so that they could understand these concepts better. So things like hierarchy and social uh, societies to a deck of cards, they all play spades. They know mm -hmm. the hierarchy of the card. Mm -hmm. Now I'm putting the French connection into a deck of cards or, you know, World Wars is now becoming rap beef or social media beef and all the, you know, nuances that go with the social media beef that they can easy, easily explain, connect that to the academic concepts of World Wars and those nuances. Okay. And now they'll never forget it because they learned it from what they know. Right. That's, right. that's the way to do it. John, but John, I was kind of more thinking about like if you had to do a tour or something like that, like how, how did that work as far as being educated? Were you just set uh, in, 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 in your area and you weren't touring at the time while you were teaching or did you have to like leave sometime? That's, I was kind of curious about that aspect. I did, no, another great question. Um, I was in, a, like I said, this was a disruptive scenario, specialized, <laughs> you know? Like I always told the students, 20 years from now, y'all gonna be like, oh yeah, that's a thing. I used to learn like that, you know? Like seriously, y'all are part of a revolution going on in real time. But to answer your question, I would, I would leverage the fact that I was traveling and use it as a power. Everywhere I went, 
And the places I remember going during being in the classroom, places like Japan, places like Australia, um, definitely in Europe a few times. And what I would do is send the substitute video to play for the class. Nice. Time nice. I was gone. And show them where I was and show them my outside world, et cetera. But even talk to the principal about what this was doing for the class and how it was, you know, when I get back to school, I would have to shut down the whole class just for questions. Mm. Or wanting to see pictures and video and that. And it gave me just a different connection with Listen with an open ear, hear the magic, so tragic, too many educators frustrated, some say they hate it, others get updated, so blatant, just tune into the voices aggravated, we gotta activate it, state it and translate it, and mostly just listen, well not, mostly just listen. This for my educators here for the long stay. Shine with positive vibes, they go a long way. I never tell my students shut up or be quiet. Instead, I listen to the blueprints they're supplying. Work first understand this is their voice, their expression. The same chatter is what taught me these lessons. I learned things like who barely slept last night because their parents are having issues and had a real big fight. Right? Classroom chatter, it all matters. Listen with an open ear, hear the magic. So tragic, too many educators frustrated. Some say they hate it. Others get updated, so blatant. Just tune into the voices aggravated. We gotta activate it, state it, and translate it. And mostly just listen. Well, not mostly just listen. Well, this is KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. That was the good brother, Dr. Jason Rawls. Jay Rawls, y'all. We're also joined by the good brother, Mr. John Robinson, Mr. Robinson. And my co-host for this segment is the good brother, educator, Mr. Quina, Naru Quina, out of the Bay Area, California. Well, uh, John and you have been talking quite a bit about YCP. Which one of y'all want to go into that before we go into the specific curriculum happening at Ohio Patton College, I believe it's called? Is it called Patton yeah, College? Patton College of Education. Yeah, I'll yes. let John talk about YCP and I'll talk about the Patton College. Yes, sir. YCP goes back to exactly what Rawls was saying early on in some of our earlier conversations just merging our worlds of music and education, one of the things that fascinated us the most was the seamless communication between young people across the world, really, but we couldn't put our finger on it. Like we couldn't see how they were communicating in this way, but it also reminded us of how we were able to do the same before the internet and before there was you know, this level of technology to communicate with but then it's also leveled up to really understanding that young people are creators of culture that we leverage, live from, have graduated with, i.e., you know, how people use emojis and SMS mm. abbreviations. That's young people creation. You know, we right. wouldn't be LOLing and SMHing and OMGing if it weren't for youth culture. Mm. But then it became, oh, wow, there's a power in this that's not being valued. Young people have this cultural capital that they walk into spaces with all day long. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're from a certain hood, you've been improvising your whole life 
for survival, just in general. So of course, if you could connect to this academic subject in a real way that relates to you, you could ace it with no problem. Mm. And it became, okay, so how do we leverage this communication into pedagogy and share it through our findings with other educators to create this path of really seriously valuing young people, all of them, understanding that, no, 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 they have a brilliance. No, 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 they're next level. Yes, they are cut from this cloth of technology that we're speaking about. Mm. And they're faster, they're more efficient in a lot of ways, but we're not pointing them to the brilliance. We're not highlighting it. We're not giving them a positive relationship with learning and school. And it's important. And then we wonder why they run the other way. Yeah. See themselves. So that's that's the essence of YCP. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good brother Rawls, you pick up from there. What's happening with uh at Patton? Uh talk to us about that program going on there. Sure. Well, so so here's where we are. Um I actually was um I graduated from the Patton College of Education, Ohio University, with my doctorate in 2017. And so I went back in 2019 to do a a seminar on hip-hop-based education and youth culture pedagogy, et cetera. And, um, you know, um, the powers that be there, the dean, uh, the assistant dean, several others approached me and said, hey, this is something revolutionary. We think it's important for teachers, uh, pre-service teachers to learn about these types of things. And they realized that a change was needed. And so um, they asked me to come on board and help uh, work on, and we actually created a steering committee to work on these pro- uh, these projects. But the HOPE program stands for Hip Hop Ohio Patent Education. And what it is, is basically, it's the first hip hop based education program and a college of education anywhere in the, in the United States. So there's wow. there's sprinkles of classes everywhere, but mm-hmm. nobody has a program. And we have a program now in Athens, Ohio. So I need everybody to spread the word so that everybody knows this is where we are headed. And I think this is an important step for hip hop based education. Um, and then the wow. Brothers Rise program is something that we're also doing. And it's something reminiscent of uh, Call Me Mister at Clemson. In the state of Ohio, we have less than 1% of our teachers in the state are African-American males. Less than 1%. Think about that. That's crazy. Yes. You yes. know, um, and so where we are with it is, okay, so we're actually working to recruit, retain, and help graduate African-American males in the Patton College of Education. So we have a program that we're going to work with them. We're going to nurture them. We're going to make sure... Um, you know, they get through all the pitfalls of, of college and et cetera. And, um, you know, we're, we're just trying some do, new things. Absolutely. I'm not mad at you, man. So to actively recruit for people to enroll into this program, do you have to go down to the high schools to, to talk to students, aspiring juniors and seniors to encourage them to consider a program such as this? We're going to the high schools. We go to the community centers. We go to churches. Um, we're building wherever black males are or or their champions. That's where we're going. Wow. Well, champions abound. And uh, wow. Because, yeah, I was thinking as I was listening to you speak, I was thinking that, they, yeah, I've heard of courses such as this at the, you know, just courses, individual courses. But this is embedded into an actual teacher program. 
Yes. Like people who are training to be teachers, ladies and gentlemen, I think I, <laughs> I need you to understand the significance of this. You said this is the only one in the country of its it doesn't kind. Exist. Right? Doesn't, it doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Most most deans and 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 around different camp, college campuses aren't aren't willing to go this far. And our dean Renee Middleton, she was, and that's I'm, I'm, I give her her props. We're taking it to the next level. Well, Mr. Quinnad, this is definitely next level. We got, I mean, you say less than 1%. It's like, we got four brothers in here, right here, right now, who all work in education. And we know how we, when we go to our respective campuses, Mr. Quinnad, we don't see very many people that look like us, right? And so what what are your thoughts on, just because I'm just thinking, just seeing Mr. Robinson and Dr. Rawls heading a class, and even in your experience, I mean, that immediately is, it's on putting, not off putting, on putting. I just made that up. No, I, I like that. I like that. <laughs> because it's like there, you, you, you break the barrier of the imposter syndrome, right? Because you have built in credibility with students who you don't have to worry about having to prove yourself or being exposed as a fraud. All that's gone. Those barriers are gone. Mr. Quinn, I'm just wanting to get your thoughts. What do you think? Man, I, I love it. I mean, you know, for me, it's it's never been really uh, an issue since I was working in the private school sector. I had full control over all my own curriculum. I didn't have to follow any guidelines. There was no testing. There were no there were no uh, grades in, in the school I worked at in Berkeley. So I've always had a different experience and I've always been free to bring in the, the classroom whatever I wanted to. And um, so I'm, I'm really delighted. I, I, I was looking, I see they have a book out and everything. I'm like, juice, yeah, man. man, I see They're the brother Christopher did the foreword. I, I met that brother before. It's, I'm ready, I'm about to jump on the book and, and, and see what right. the deal is. Cause I mean, I've long, I, I've, I stumbled upon teaching hip hop by accident. I'm teaching with hip hop by accident. I mean, cause I, you know, when you're in, when you're in a private school sector and let's say I was, this was in the nineties, uh, I was really trying to keep my hip hop separate from my teaching because I was like, no, nah, they're not going to accept this. You know, I was like one of the only, mm -hmm. I was, I was the only black teacher at the school at the time. I'm like, yep. they're not going to really, but, but, but something happened at recess one day, my students who were five and six were singing. I don't know if y'all remember this song. You ain't nothing but a hoochie mama. Anybody remember that one? I oh, don't, man. but I get it. Man, yeah, and, we get it. And, and I was like, my first thing was I'm about to like stop him from singing it. But then like just John, when you were speaking earlier, it was it was similar to that. I'm like, let me let me see what these children are doing over here. Mm. Brother, they they knew the whole song about three and a half to four minutes. Wow. Word for word. Yep. And I was teaching science to them at the time and they were bored out of their minds. Mm. And I was like, look, if I can put these science lessons in the hip hop form, they're gonna learn these lessons. It's gonna lock in just like we lock in the alphabet. We all go back and say the ABCs to remember what letter comes after the other. It's, it's you know, it's embedded in our heads. And, and, and literally that's how I began teaching. And they were, the, the, but once the, uh, the, the parents were the ones who advocated for me. The other teachers weren't so keen on it, but the parents, once I, I, I went home, I was doing music. I um, gave all my students a CD. I made a 10 song uh, CD about the human body. The parents, they it were blown away. It was very dope too. I, I they, checked out some of it too. It was very dope. They, av they advocated for me to be able to do that in the classroom, but I don't know if I would have been able to get away with that in the public setting. So to hear that, 
this university is I'm blown away, brother. This is Ooh. so amazing. And I, I want to help support it and move it Thank you. in any direction that you, you want to see it go in. I'm I'm also a grant writer, so you know it, I'm I'm down to get help get funding for to put it in other areas. It is I'm 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 sold on this, bro. Wow, thank you. Give yeah, that's tight. Mr. Quinasso, the public school setting you anticipated you probably would have had more challenges. So John and Jason, um what what did you have any obstacles to overcome in order to get this? Did you have to overcome the skepticism of people who were naysayers who questioned the validity and the power and the palpability of a curriculum such as this? What did you have to overcome in order to make this real? You always have to overcome uh, skepticism, uh, no matter what you're doing, especially if it's different um, or something yep. that that's a change. Um, you know, there there's there's been uh, small naysayers, but it's not. You know, this will be the first semester that I'm teaching the course. The first okay. course is uh, Introduction to Hip Hop Based Education. Um, and this will be the first semester, fall 2021. So um, I'm sure we'll have our naysayers uh, come back. Let's let's talk again in December and I'll, let's I'll, do that. I'll let you, you know what I'm saying. I'll let you know yeah. who said it wasn't going to work or it's this or it's that. But, you know, at this point, um, you know, that that's that comes without saying anytime you do hip hop. It, it, everything is, you know, people fight every step of the way. So we're right. not, we're not really even worried about that, but you know, yeah. we keep it moving. Absolutely. So this, I mean, this is a graduate program, right? So it's not, this isn't an elective. Undergraduate. Right? Undergraduate. This is an undergraduate. So, undergraduate. Oh, and it then, is. The, these are, um, the way I'm writing them now, I'm actually in the process <laughs> right now of uh, what we call in the state of Ohio is making it a tag uh, course, which means that any college in the state of Ohio, uh, there's it will uh, mesh with their curriculum basically. So, this is the this class is going to take over for the regular introduction to teaching. So, mm. my class is uh, EDTE 1010, and the regular class is EDTE 1000. So, my class will take everything that you need to know to be a teacher in the state of Ohio and add in culturally relevant pedagogy and hip hop based pedagogy and um, and also um, youth culture pedagogy. So that's nice. that's what we're doing. We're adding on. So basically, you're going to get everything that you need to be a teacher. Plus, you're going to get some culturally relevant aspects as well. Absolutely. So are they making it a requirement or is it considered an elective? It's a it's a choice. You can take either the the hip-hop based education or take the regular strand of education mm. you see what i'm saying so we're yeah. setting it up to basically see which one students are gonna gonna go to what are they gonna uh, what are they gonna kind of kind of pick uh and i have no doubt what they're gonna pick once you know once the word gets out and we oh, get it <laughs> yeah yeah now I, are they gonna give man okay so yeah, that's why I definitely want to have you back in December because I want to make I want, I want them to give this a chance to work and a chance to blossom because nothing is going to necessarily hit the ground running immediately Correct. and be Correct. a top speed right away. You know what I'm saying? Correct. Well, I, have, I have two I have two sections of it and they're both already filled. So oh, look at that. Good, that's a good sign. That is good. So how many students can enroll in one course at a time? Uh, twenty. They they capped it at twenty five. Okay. Uh, I'm actually about to advocate for thirty in each class because I have um, I have students uh, emailing me already asking, can they get in? So we have um, an online version of the course and a face-to-face. -face. And the online so far can only have Ohio University students in Athens. However, we're working on it so that we can uh, be able to open this to students all over the country. That's the goal. 
Brother Rawls, I'd like to ask, uh, is this course something that you are going to have ownership over or the university is going to uh, own this this uh, course? It's basically uh, ownership by me. However, um, the, the university gets first crack at it, but it, it's all it's all of my uh, uh, work and, and based on, on research uh, from me and John as well. So um, we can we can still uh, copy this and take it to other universities. Respect. That's that's a great thing. And one more question. Yes, I sir. wanted to just hear a little bit more about how what aspects of hip hop you are using uh, to incorporate in, in this model. Sure. The first thing that um, we teach. So we start the course. I mean, and I'm actually looking at the syllabus. I start the course with a um, a look at um, first, do you want to be a teacher and why? We talk about that. And then we talk about the roots of U.S. education. So we take it back to the colonial period, um, to the early national period, uh, to, to some of the, the, the land ordinances of uh, 1785, some of the reasons that we have separation of church and state, uh, some of the reasons that we have um, uh, the way that high schools were, were formulated uh, in the late 17, early 1800s. So we go there and then we take it to a um a quick um week-long discussion of the origin of hip-hop and we talk about hip-hop so they learn about the elements because i can't teach you about hip-hop based education and you don't know who africa bambata is and you don't know who cool herc is and you don't understand about the 1977 blackout and why that was important to the spread of hip-hop um so we go i i go in i go in and i teach them about hip-hop and then we move into culturally relevant pedagogy um, we talk about uh, everything from classroom management to um, uh, the code, uh, the ethics, the code and constitution, school governance, laws, and uh, school finance. So we get into everything. Thank you. Classroom that, that, management. Brilliant. brilliant. So, yes, Mr. Quinn, Mr. Robinson, Dr. Rawls, I was a substitute teacher. I forgot to mention that. So <laughs> when you would, when you would be absent, Mr. Robinson, I'd be filling in for you, right? And so nothing would stick in my crawl so much is to see out of control classrooms. So when I hear Dr. Ross talking about they're actually teaching classroom management, I'm like, thank you. It's like, they see me coming. Well, first of all, all of us, when we go to our respective campuses, people are happy to see us. Not only will they sometimes wanna send us, I mean, maybe not in your case right now, currently Dr. Ross, but I'm just imagining throughout your careers at some point, if they see you're the black male teacher on campus, they're sending you the behavior uh, students, the ones oh, that need gosh. extra supervision and need that oh, stern, oh, <laughs> right? I think that's all of us, that's all of us, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So classroom management is, is such a, how does that play into hip hop though? I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I think it's great. I, I've been waiting for this. I'm gonna, let John, I'm gonna let John break that down. Yeah. We got, we got a theory on that, go ahead, John. Oh yes, please. Absolutely. Um, well, classroom management starts with four letters, C-A-R-E, and it's four tenement, tenets of YCP, right? Mm. Care. You got to care first. I love the fact that uh, Dr. Roll said, you know, we start out by asking, why do you want to be a teacher? You know, seriously, why do you want to be a teacher? Why do you want to get into this field? Because in real time, it's hard to fake that, you know, like right. 
it's hard to fake that and say something that's just, you know, uh, what people want to hear, right? Right. But I'll say all that to say, um, listening with an open ear, like listen to your students, but more so care, show this level of care through many different uh, facets. But understand too that your job is to really be a, a learner of your students. That's right. You should be learning who they are outside of just their first and last name, et cetera. But again, put them in the driver's seat more often than not, meaning allow them to own how they learn. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll give a quick example on how this hit me in real time and how I discovered this right in class. You know, um, I didn't necessarily go to a school to learn these things. So long story short, I'm in class and I would always use these attention getters or call and response, right? To bring everyone, uh, you know, to attention so that I could get get to the next step of what we're learning. And my go-to was always, when I say my check, say one, two, one, two, my check, one, two, one, two, right? Mm -hmm. And one day, one of my students says, Mr. JR, ah, that's so old school. (laughs) And then I literally say, okay, so what would you do if you set off a call and response? What would you do? How you rock a party. (laughs) She stood up in the middle of the class and said, Red Robin, and the whole class said, yum. Ah. (laughs) Blew my mind for a couple reasons. There were no Red Robins in New York at Hmm. all. So none of them ever been there. They just knew the commercial. But then also it was because she made it up and it was from their peer group, mm-hmm. they owned it in a different way and it worked and became more effective because wow. it was theirs, they chose it. And mm-hmm. I think that's a part of, that's the deeper level of classroom management, those connections and relationships. If you don't really have this real connection with your students, you can't manage them. Absolutely. And this is a different level of genius that we're dealing with here. Yes. These students have, you know, they're us with technology that speeds it up even more. You know what I'm yes. saying? So it's yes. like, come on, they, their lens is so deep and they don't get the credit and, wow. you know, true uh, value for what they do in this world and how they think and what they already come to the class with. But I'll say, yeah, it starts with those relationships, connections and care. That's the true layer of classroom management that you start with. Man, Dr. Rawls, uh, Mr. Robinson just mentioned care like several times. How well did he capture the theory that you were talking about before he started speaking? Well, he helped write it, so. Absolutely. <laughs> he, he, he captured it very well. It's, it's about culture, um, creating an affable learning environment, um, building strong, positive relationships with students and also a concept that we have called egalitarian classroom. So if you think about your classroom as a government, you know, do you want to be an autocracy? Do you want to be a democracy? Um, We suggest an egalitarian style, which is um, when a king or a queen believes that their subjects are equal to them. And that's what we're talking about. So respect your students enough to give them student voice, to let them uh, have input like John mentioned with the uh, the Red Robin story. And mm-hmm. once you do that, you build those kind of things where you have relationships. So when you come in, 
uh, Rome and, and come in to, to substitute for my class, my <laughs> class isn't going to wild out on you because they they respect me enough to be like, mm. come on. You know what I'm saying? So they're not going to wild out on you because they don't want to disappoint me and let me down. And and, and uh-huh. it's more of a, um, it's not necessarily that we're, I'm going to punish them or do something right. like that. It's just when I come back, we're going to have it, we're going to get in a cipher and we're going to talk like, yo. Exactly. So Mr. Rome told me y'all was wilding out, man. What's going on with that, man? <laughs> See, y'all let me down, B. Y'all, I feel exactly. bad. Like, what's how, how can we rectify this? What can we do? Right. My bad, Mr. Rawls. You know, my man, we should uh-huh. that kind of thing. So we we uh-huh. build a relationship so we don't have to to be punitive. Whew. Man, if I were subbing, I, man, first I was a sub for 14 years and I loved it. And I know for without a doubt, if I were subbing for any of you cats, I would have <laughs> no problems. I'd have no problems. And trust, I would be writing a, you know, you, you come back and read those beautiful teacher notes, how well the class did or which period was acting up and were you able to get to everything on the lesson plan and yeah. were you able to implement and pass out the work? Did you assign the homework as it was left, you know, for you by the teacher? All that stuff. But I, I'm guaranteed that I would have no problems. Well, Mr. Quinnah, this is Dr. Jason Rawls and Mr. John Robinson. They're a part of a collective as a, a hip-hop conglomerate, uh, collectively just called JR. Uh, they got this Youth Culture Power book, and I just put that up a second ago, and they have this amazing curriculum where Dr. Rawls is uh, teaching hip-hop and education at the collegiate level. I cannot thank y'all enough for being here. What's the best way for us to, Dr. Rawls, get more people aware of this? Can they go to a website? Can they contact John or you, Mr. Robinson or you? What's the best way for people to follow up on all this? Well, you know, the best way is going to be if you go to Ohio, um, www.ohio.edu slash hope program, H-O-P-E. That'll give you information on that. You can also reach out uh, to me if you're interested in the HOPE program at Rawls at Ohio.edu. And, uh, and I'll let John break down, you know, uh, all of our YCP because we got the book. Y'all got to come check out the book. Yes, sir. Let me, see, let me see if I can put that up. Go ahead, Mr. Robinson. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say um, definitely check us out online. Uh, the website is it's J-R. I-T-S-J-A-Y-A-R-E dot com. Yes, sir. We have connection to the book there, the album, and other content that basically describes a lot of what Rawls will be doing this semester at OU and a way to connect with us directly there. If you're on social media, we're also on IG, same thing. It's J-R-Y-C-P. So at I-T-S-J-A-Y-A-R-E-Y-C-P. And you can connect with us there. And it's a really exciting time for us. Um, Our next update of the site, et cetera, will include, uh, we have an upcoming online online course based on the Youth Culture Power book Mm -hmm. and album. We also have an audio book version of the book launching very soon as well as an activity guide that's a companion to the book that's not only suggesting several different activities for teachers to put in their arsenal and try out, but also challenging teachers to come with us on this ride to slowly but surely develop this mindset to fish for yourself. Mm. Get into 
space? How do you tap in? How do you better understand? How are you a white teacher who becomes an ally more so than appropriating culture? Come How on. do you center hip hop culture and youth culture in your room, even if you're not connected as enough, enough to be a practitioner yourself? You know, wow. and these are the things that we'll be sharing in this uh, companion, the activity guide, which is very exciting. So hit us up. If this is something you resonate with, we're always down to build, connect, and what I like to call build pyramids, things that'll be here long after we are. So we're building pyramids. Yes, a monument in your honor. Absolutely. Well, I sure appreciate you all, man. Dr. Jason Rawls, Mr. John Robinson, my good brother, Naru Kwana is also here. Good brother. See, this is why I needed you here, man. These cats, man, they're, they're my reflection. You know, they're, they're everything that I aspire to be as an educator long-term. And I just want to be like them when I grow up. And I mean <laughs> that. I'm being silly, but I mean it because this is where it's at, y'all. Uh, Mr. Kwana, final thoughts from you. Brother, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you to both the brothers for, you know, you don't have to be in the classroom. You're doing hip hop. You have some pretty, you know, outstanding careers, you know, outside of this. So this shows that you both really care about uh, our children out here. So I just wanted to first and foremost say thank you for doing that. And um, this is only the beginning. I could see uh, we're actually having our own schools. You know, we need to get back to that at some point. So I can see this as a foundation for actually building uh, our own schools and and running the whole curriculum not just having one one course but running a whole curriculum and um i i believe this uh start you guys have done it is is gonna just take off man on, on many different levels so again just just thank you brothers and uh, again i want to be able to uh help you in any way i can so we'll we'll get connected after this and um we'll, we'll keep this moving well, that's our show, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and you know we're here every Monday evening from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time. Check back with us. We shall return next week. Also want to thank our very special guests for the evening, Lori Peacock, Aaron Wiley-Sands, Jeffrey Keller, my good brother, Mr. Naru Kwana. Thank you for holding it down with me, John Robinson, and of course, Jay Rawls, Dr. Jason Rawls. Also want to send a very special shout out to Mr. Frank Starks, who is the Iron Man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. Take care.